I happen to like this parsley. We I like the parsley, but this parsley is like it's just loaded with everything. So we're gonna we're gonna work on two different mitzvahs. We're gonna work on pikacholin a little bit, and we're going to work on hachnasis orchim. So initially, I was going to talk about pikacholin first, but I think we're gonna do hachnasis orchim first because that's the beginning of the parsha. Actually, no. We'll do it this way. <coughs> so, you know, the first thing you see in the Parsha is that Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu is sitting there, and he's, like, he's recovering from, from having a bris. I want you to know there's a guy. <coughs> his name is Mordechai Danielov. He lives in Israel. He became a Gerd Sedek. He had a full bris with no, with nothing. It's um, like no anesthesia. It's crazy. It's a pain. Can you imagine such a thing? It's unbelievable. So Reb Noach Weinberg, even though this really has to do with Hachnach Zorachim, but it's the first Pasuk, so we'll start with that. Reb Noach Weinberg, he, he really put it into very clear terms. You have a man who's 99 years old. Do you think it hurts to have a bris when you're 99 years old? What do you think? Yes. What do you think? Do you think so, huh? Okay, good. It's a hot day. When it's a hot day, what happens? You sweat. You're, you're a paramedic. What do you think? You think it's painful in a hot day? No air conditioning? What do you think? I think it's terrible. Terrible pain. So, <clears throat> hey, buddy. Yeah, what's going on? Thank God, we're waiting for you. Okay, are you you got anybody? You're by yourself. I'm by myself. Yeah. That's even better. The whole hell. That's that's beautiful. So you're 99 years. You going now? You know, I'm just gonna put these back. Okay, beautiful. Sorry. 99 years old, hot day. It says it was really hot. Hashem made it a really hot day in August. Yeah. And then he sees these three Arabs. Right? Three Arabs. We're not talking about three Rashi Yeshiva. We're talking about three Arabs. But Avram Avinu wants them to, he wants to do the mitzvah of Achnas Zarkim. So they're going to go some, they, they're leaving. So what does he do? Guys, what does he do? He calls out to them. He runs. It says, he runs to greet them. Do we have any idea of the amount of pain that we're talking about? Incredible pain, but it means nothing to Avraham because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Avraham Avinu has just one thing on his mind, and that's Achnasis Archim. So he's in the middle, there's a machlokas, as you know, there's a machlokas whether he's involved with, with talking to the one of the three angels or whether he's talking to Akadosh Baruch Hu, meaning he's in the middle of the Nevoah. And the pus, and it says that he says, you know, wait here, right? He's like, he he says to somebody, he says, wait here. So again, Rashi says that could that one position is a person, the other position is that it's talking to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So he's telling God to wait, because he has to go, and he has to deal with three arrows. What's shot? Because what Noah Weinberg said, 
there's only one thing greater than talking to God, and that's being like God. That's what he said. We don't we don't look at the world as trying to have the only having that experience with God. We're looking to emulate to be like a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's it's simple, but amazing. So I'm going to read to you this medrash. We all know it. It's not a medrash. It's Gemara actually in Sota. I just wrote it down instead of going through the Sefer inside, bringing it inside. So I'll read it to you. It says in the in the pasuk Valach to be you're supposed to go in the way of God. You're supposed to go in the way of God. So the Gemara says in Sota Yudalid. My dirsiv, what is meant? It says in the passage that you should go in the way of God. Can a person walk? Can a person go? And you can't you, you can't you can't imitate God. What does it mean to you should be like God? None of us are God. But rather, the Gemara says that we have to go and follow the midos of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu Malbisharumim. God clothes the people who have nothing, no clothing. Afato Malbisharumim. So you should give clothing. I heard about a lot of people in, that are sending clothing to the displaced Israelis. We don't think about it, but there is. No, I mean, when I say we don't think about it, I mean. Maybe some of us do, but the, the, all the towns down there, what was the name of the the biggest city down there is uh, Stayrot. The, I heard there's no more Stayrot. I heard there's no more Stayrot. They, they removed the um, Iron Dome from Stayrot because there's nobody there anymore. So where do the people go? What happened to them? Where do they go? I'm asking. I have no idea. They, all over the place. No central. Safer places. Yeah. So that means that they're that they're displaced immigrants. Never the immigrants. So they don't have clothes. How, what, what do they have with them already? So I heard that there's an organization, or maybe maybe there's more than one, that's just getting clothes for these people. Hakadosh Baruch Hu Mavakir HaKadosh Baruch Hu visits the sick. Where do we see that from? We see that from Avraham Avinu, because on the beginning of this is Parsha, Hashem went to visit, the, the, to, to be Mavakar Cholot for Avraham So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu does that, Avata Bikar Cholot, you should, you should also go and be Mavakar Cholot. Now to be honest, some of us, <coughs> I, I'm, I'm only starting up with Simi because I know that he's, a paramedic, and therefore he can see things that are gory or whatever. I understand that. For me personally, going to the hospital is a very hard thing. Visiting people in the hospital is very hard. For some people, it's not so hard. But just because it's hard, that doesn't take away from the obligation on one side. And if you happen to be one of those blessed people, is the food there yet? I don't know where the food is. And if you happen to be, let me call the guy out. If you happen to be one of those, huh? The places, yeah. And if you happen to be one of the people who have it easy, er, that doesn't take away from the mitzvah. Doesn't take away from the mitzvah. 
if you happen to have a, your Natiya is in that direction, that doesn't take away from anything. Just give me one minute here. I just want to make sure that the food, I mean, so where is it? And then it says, the next one is Menachem Avelin. The Kodesh Baruch is Menachem Avel. Hashem, the Gemara says that Hashem is Menachem Avel. He visits the people who are in mourning. So also you should, you also should go and do Nicham Avelin. I have to tell you, the MS, when I was about 20 years old, I ruined the relationship because I didn't go to uh, the Shilakal. I didn't go because I, uh, I wasn't, you know, like it's fun to go to like a Vort or like a Simcha, but in, for Avelis was like one of those things that was very hard for me. I don't like going to Bikacholim, and I don't like going to Avelim, and I certainly don't like funerals, and I'm not one of those guys. You know the guys who stand when you're putting down the body in the ground, and they're holding the cords, you know what I'm talking about? And there are guys that do that. They're like, they're, it's not that they're morbid, sick people that they look forward to going there. My brother-in-law is like, a master when it comes to funerals. He knows every different custom. It's unbelievable. You throw the, 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 the grass this way. You throw the rocks that way. He's got it down. Man, Mike, you throw motion from Hafter. He's got it down. It doesn't mean that he's like, uh, that he, like he's a morbid sick kind of guy. I'm not holding those ropes because in my nightmare... I'm going to fall into the grave <laughs> and they're not going to be able to get me out and I'm going to be laying next to the dead body. You know what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't want... <laughs> it happened? Right under. No. The ground was wet. The planks gave out and I slid right under the coffin. You did? Yeah. Under? My great uncle's funeral. <laughs> Get off me! Well, I, for one, that's just you understand. I, I, I don't want to go there. I don't, I don't want to be part of this. But you have to. That's the point. So some people find it easy to do one mitzvah. Some people find it more difficult. Like I'm good for like you know collecting clothes. You know, like tourniquets. I like, I like that. Let's collect tourniquets. That's more up my alley than going. To the, to the hospital to visit the soldier who's sick. And there are other people that, you know, like Hatzala uh, Air. Kidding me? Are you kidding me? Let me tell you what happened with me with my son, my, my daughter, my firstborn, Yossi. Yossi was born, he had the uh, cord around his neck. So they threw me out of the room. You know, they threw me out because they had a they had to do an emergency procedure, right? And they were, he was fine, obviously. But, you know, that was my first son. My second is my daughter. So she was born in a regular way, you know, regular, healthy way. And right after the baby was born, they gave me the baby to, to hold. In the meantime, you know, the, the operating room, the, you know, the, the delivery room, there's blood, there's things around there. I, I start getting real queasy. I'm holding the baby, and I say to the doctor and to my wife, like my face started getting flushed, and I made this face, and I said, 
I, I think I'm going now. And I have the baby with me, you know, I'm holding my daughter. And I, I, I think I'm going now. And the nurse, like, said, can we please have the baby? And I said, your daughter, I said, I'm going now. <laughs> well, I, that's, you know what I mean? I'm not cut out for hot solo, you know? It's just like, you know what I mean? It's not happening. But he said, so just so, but there's also Nicham Avelim. And by the way, it's very important. We're going to deal with this in a second about what not to say. Did you ever hear people talk stupid yes. at Nicham Avelim? Never. Never. <laughs> you want to hear the stupid? I want to hear what was the stupidest things you've ever heard at, on a, on a, uh, you know, on a shiva call? I want to know the stupid. I, I had two things that I just cannot believe. But I just want to know what. That's why Ashkenazim, we don't talk. We're supposed to be quiet. And then when so when the the Avil starts saying something like you know, you know the, the Avil really liked you, so then you in return maybe this is the, hello. Okay, good. Are you outside? Uh, what color door is it? Blue. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Oh. Do you mind? Okay. Yeah. So people, so Ashkenazim, we, we don't talk. We're supposed to be quiet. And then when the people say something, then you start talking, right? Right? No, that's not what we do. We open our big mouths and we make lots of trouble sometimes. Right? Svartan, they have big parties. They're eating, they're singing, and not singing, they're not singing, but you know, they're much more, more talkative. So I'm curious, what was the worst, stupidest things that you've ever heard? Because I think I can top it. Was it sudden, is it that one? Huh? Was it sudden? Oh, was it sudden? You want to know all the intricacies of the illness. <laughs> yeah. Let's relive. Let's relive those those days of being when my father was in a coma for almost 11 months. Let's have a recap. What was it like? <laughs> At least I'm not in pain anymore. I'm going to tell you one that this happened. What was the number of the bus that hit him? Huh? No, 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 no. But this, so my wife was sitting shiva for my, um, for, I think it was her, it was for Yaki, yeah. I think it was for my brother-in-law. So she obviously, there was a woman who had uh, her son had just had a vort. Okay, so she obviously did not go to the vort because she was sitting Shiva. So what do you do when your good friend is sitting Shiva and you just had a vort? Bring the vort to her. How do you do that? You bring pictures of the Vort to show the Avel to go through all the pictures of her son. Now, of course, not discussing the fact that we have three children who are not married. Let's go and let's bring pictures of the Vort to the Avel. Uh, the Avel. I, I think that's pretty high up there on what not to do. Okay, I don't know. At least you have seven other kids. That's... I don't, but people, some do. But here comes another one. You want to hear the, I mean, this really happened. My, my mother-in-law 
it was, I never forget this, it was the last day of, of the Shiva, and it was the last people of the Shiva. That's why I remember this so clearly. And it was two doctors. Now my mother-in-law, my mo my, it's not a joke, this is gonna sound so ridiculous. My mother-in-law had um, a valve replacement. There are two different types of valve replacements. There's stainless steel, and there's using a pig valve. Each one has a Mila. Uh, instead of cookie platters? Uh, yeah, because instead of uh, using the uh, the the bagel uh, the the bakery, I'm trying this because they were good. It was good at the at the seam. It was very good. So we're gonna try it. It's a lot easier. It's easier. It's right here now. The price is the same. And people liked it. They liked the cookies. That's, that's, that's. They answer the paper. Okay, sure. So these two doctors start talking, and they asked my wife, what do you think is better, the pig heart? Or the, because uh, my mother had both, the pig and the silver and the stainless steel. So what do you think? And they're, they're discussing. And I'm sitting there saying, oh my gosh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, what are you doing? People are crazy. There are three things you have to do when you do the Dukakola, right? First of all, to fulfill the mitzvah. Number one is you have to ask if there's anything that they need. But it's not only asking them, it's like asking the family, I mean the other members, maybe asking the doctor. This is for Dukakolam, you know? Is there anything that we could do for them? It's, but yeah, you have to do that. The second thing, which is I didn't realize until I just learned it in the in the in Chavetz Chaim in Avas Chesed, he says <coughs> you should you have to let the person talk about their tsar, their tsar, their pain. Just let it out. Let them talk about it. That's part <coughs> of the mitzvah of Bikr Cholim, is letting the person kvetch, you know. Sometimes you're there because you want to be there, but you're not. But you're not really interested in their fetching so much. You know, the third is very, very important. And if you don't do the third, then you don't. You really have not fulfilled the mitzvah itself, and that is davening for the the person who's ill. So if you go visit and you don't daven for him, you say first what to say for him or her. That's already Davin. You know, but to have, and, and, and when you get home, you keep on davening, then you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah. So that's why there's a famous Shiloh about that Rav Moshe has that was asked to Rav Moshe about doing Bikacholim on the telephone. So he said, Of course, it's better than nothing. I mean, if you can't get there, you can't get there. That's, that's you know, the, the person is ill in, in, uh, in New Zealand. You, you can't, you're not getting there, so it's better than nothing. But he said, what the problem with doing the phone is that you don't see the person. And again, we're not talking about those people that are used to ICUs, but even I don't think you ever get used to an ICU. Do you ever get used to an ICU fully? I mean, I don't spend a lot of time in them. No, but yeah, I don't think you do. But there's a big difference between hearing, you know, he's, he's not doing so well. It's like, it's, it's really bad. That's a lot different than when you go 
you know, to North Shore and you're on one of those floors, which is a bad floor that people usually don't leave those floors or whatever, and you go on those floors and he's, he's got 36 monitors, you know, and you, you, it's different. You daven differently. You think differently. You know, that, so that's, that's, that's why it's so, so important to go if you can. There's a famous story in the Gemara that says that Rabbi Akiva had a student, and he was ill, and uh, they didn't go go to visit, nobody went to visit him. So Rabbi Akiva went himself and washed the person, washed the floors, it says. And the person, his student got up and he said, Rabbi Akiva Chayeni, you saved my life. We don't realize, we just sometimes don't realize. There's a story here on page 56 in, in Love Thy Neighbor. <coughs> Excuse me. Let, me, let me just read it to you for one second about the great Sadiq Rabbi Arya Levine. It's such an interesting, the way he looked at the world. Every Friday, Rabbi Arya Levine was the Tzaddik of Yerushalayim. You should read the book, Tzaddik in Our Time. We have it here, you can get it. It's so amazing about this individual. Every Friday, Rabari Levine would visit the various hospitals in Jerusalem. That's what he did. Now, you have to know that he was a Makubal. Rabari Levine was a big Makubal. And he was the father-in-law of Rav um, Yashuv. The father of Rav Yashuv. We're not talking about, you know, somebody but he, who, you know, he has nothing to do, so he goes to visit hospitals. He's the father-in-law of Rav Yashuv. <laughs> You know, then his his wife. Well, I I don't want to confuse things with 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 genealogy because sometimes I'm not so perfect on it. But he he learned with the Leshem. The Leshem was one of the biggest Bukubalim of the last several hundred years. So anyway, he would go to the different hospitals on Fridays. The first thing he did was to ask the nurses which patients didn't have any visitors. That's what he would do. He would then approach those lonely people and try to cheer them up because they're by themselves. And we all know that if the doctors and the nurses don't think that anybody is coming to visit, they treat you differently. I got to tell you, on that note, I have a good friend, his name is Roman Malayev. Roman did something that y'all gotta learn from and he outdid us. When I say us, my family, we, we felt that we're, we're smart, we're good people, so when any, any person in our family had to go to the hospital, we would always buy things for the nurses, you know? You buy something because you want them to feel that you appreciate them, right? That's what you do. So my mother, had a, a certain operation, and we would we bought so many donuts, so many donuts. And by the way, the, the nurses and doctors never complain that it's a high sugar count or anything in the donuts. You never notice that. You can't eat those donuts, but they can eat the donut. They never complain about it. Okay, I thought that was a really good thing. Roman's kid, mother was not feeling well. He uh, he works in the diamond industry district. He bought, for every nurse, diamond earrings. Garbage with flaws 
Like each, <laughs> really the lowest quality diamond earring that you could possibly buy, which was not more than probably a little bit more than a than two dozen donuts. I mean, really little speck of earrings and not good quality. But my gosh, they treated his mother like she was the queen of England because nobody nobody buys the nurses diamond earrings, right? Nobody. It's a point. You have to have a car set code, and you want you want the person to be taken care of. You know. So I'm going to read to you a very interesting halacha. This is in Yeridea. Question: You want to get food? You want to eat while we're we're learning, or do you want to just continue learning and then eat after? What do we say? Neither. Okay, so we'll continue for. A, so we'll continue a little bit. Okay. There's a kasha. Yeshomim. There are those that say the sona yocholelech levaker cholim. So the Ramos says that there's a whole shaila. Is your enemy, like, is he allowed to go into bigger cholim? There's a guy who you just were, you were just in court with, because he foreclosed your building. You know, yeah. This is <laughs> this is the guy who did everything to really screw you over, right? He's your he's your enemy. Now he wants to visit. It's a mitzvah, I say, to visit uh, Bikr Cholim. So he wants to come and be the first one in the procession to visit. Right? So, he, so the Ramah says that there are those that say it's okay because it's a mitzvah, so you should go. But he says, well, nearly. He says, I don't think so. He says, now, he should not come and do Bikacholim. You don't let him do it. Velo yenachem ovel shusone. And you don't let him go to a shiva call. Like all of a sudden you had a big fight and you know you ended up, your business went down the tubes or whatever. And he comes in and he says, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for you. Yeah, I feel so bad for you. Shalom yechshov. Because we don't want people to think. Whether it's accurate or not, we don't know. But the Ramos says, you don't want people to think that he's happy that the guy died or that the guy, or, the, or he's sick or that the family is sitting, you know, whatever. And in reality, all it is is that he's causing pain by being there. So this is an example... This is an example of where the halacha might say that it's a big, big mitzvah, but you got to get beyond that. You got to think about how does it affect the other person. Because the per- if the purpose is to do the mitzvah, I'll give an example. One of the things it says over here is that you're not supposed to visit a person if they're like, if they're overwhelmed and they don't want company, right? So then you're not, you're not allowed to go and say, I know you're not really up to it, but it's a mitzvah. And, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm very religious. I just went to yeshiva for the first time. And my rabbis taught us that you have to go visit. So I know you're not up to it, but I, I need to come. <laughs> you know, I need to be there. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can't do just because you want to it's not about you. It's about the. It's about the person who's ill. 
That's why there's certain halachas that you're not supposed to go early in the morning, you're supposed to go or late at night. It's all relevant to the individual, how the individual is dealing. Next thing, you know, how, how, because that's, because this, that's what matters. The next halacha, it's very interesting, is mevakrim choli ovde kochavim. You, there's a mitzvah to visit non-Jewish people who are ill. Because of, we want peace. We don't want anti-Semitism. We don't want it to be that the non-Jews feel that Hatzalah doesn't stop for people who are not Jewish, right? We don't want that. It's very bad. Dar Sholem is very important. So therefore, we don't spit at non-Jewish people. We don't call them goyim all the time. But rather, we, we have to feel for them. There's a very, very famous story with the Maharal. You guys know the story of the Maharal? It's fascinating story. Ever hear the story of Maharal? On Pesach? With the mistake in the calendar? Okay, it's a good story. Maral is walking, he, the Maral is from Czechoslovakia. Okay, Maral is walking in the streets, young, a young man at the time, and he sees a non-Jewish kid, and the kid is, tr- is selling bread, you know, like he has like a stand, he's selling bread, and the kid's crying. So the Maral doesn't say, well, Bar Hashem, there's another guy who's aggravated. You know, he doesn't do that, God forbid. He walks over to the little boy and he says, what is going on? And the boy says, my father's a baker. I haven't sold anything today and he's going to beat me up. So the Maral buys all the bread from him. So that he wouldn't, you know, so he wouldn't be hurt. Years later, it's the last day of Pesach. <clears throat> and the Maharaj gets a visitor from this non-Jew. And the non-Jew comes into his office and says, when I was young, you saved me by buying all the bread that day. And I, in turn, want to save the Jewish community because of that. The bakers have decided that they're going to put poison into the bread. Okay, because on the last day, in the olden days... See, today we have bread like Thomas's muffins that can last three weeks outside. Entenmann's cakes never get stale. <laughs> never get stale. It's not a joke. I, I have, we buy Drake's. It says on it, actually, Little Debbie's, Deb's, Debbie's even worse. It says on it, you know, um, you know, Eat for best quality. Eat by April first, and you can eat it now. It's soft. <laughs> How's that possible? In those days, it wasn't like that in the old days. So, they—that's what they decided to do. So now, what does the Maral do? He's got a few choices. He's got to get the Jews not to eat the bread, right? If he gets up and he makes an announcement that the bread has been poisoned. So there's basically three things that are going to happen. First of all, there will be those people that are going to become paranoid and feel like you see the guy who's trying to kill us, and it'll make everybody cra- you know, nervous and crazy. So that's not the best idea. It might be better than eating the poison, 
But it's not a good thing to create paranoia and, and, and that type of tension that all of your food objects potentially could be poisoned at any given time, right? Not a good thing. Option number two is the other problem with getting up and announcing that the bread has been poisoned is that there will be Jewish people that won't listen. And they'll say, yeah, the rabbi's saying it because he's probably getting a kickback if we would buy the bread from some other bakery next door and therefore, you know, they wouldn't pay attention to it. And of course, then you have the third problem that there might be people that wouldn't hear about it, you know, because they didn't have the internet. So what do you do? So Reb Noah Weinberg has a story. I'm going to go off on a limb to make a little humor because the world is just too difficult right now. Reb Noah Weinberg has a famous story that he used to tell over. He said, there's a guy that goes to Eish Torah. He goes into the yeshiva, a Baal Tshuva, and he's a coffee drinker. You guys know this story, right? I can, I can say it over. He's a coffee drinker. I don't drink coffee. Once every six months, I take a cup of coffee, I take a zip, and I say, I don't know why anybody likes this. I'm not a coffee drinker, but people who drink coffee, they need their coffee every day. How many people drink coffee every day here? You're the only one in this room that drinks coffee, too? Yes, this is the wrong group. Okay, okay. So he drink, So this guy's a coffee drinker, and he needs his milk. He needs his milk. So he goes and he buys a, a little container of milk, puts his name on the milk, puts it in the refrigerator, comes back the next day, and the milk is not there. He's upset. So he writes his name, he buys more milk, puts his name on it, and he says, private property. Next day comes back, milk's not there. Now he's getting a little frustrated. He writes his name, private property. Geneva, you're going to hell if you drink this. Comes back, milk's not there. Next time he writes his name, private property, going to Gehenna, and I'm not Michael forever. Comes back, milk ain't there. Finally, he writes on it, Chalufstam, <laughs> and the milk is there. You know, because there's something in the psyche that we get a little bit, when it comes to religion, sometimes we get a little bit more, I don't want to say fanatical, I, we get a little bit more rigid we do that sometimes. A little bit. So the Maral gets up and he makes an announcement. There was a mistake in the calendar. The day that we thought was Pesach, was really the eve of Pesach. And therefore, tomorrow, tonight, you know, tomorrow is not the last day of Pesach, but rather there's another day following. Now, to that, all the Jews are going to listen, right? Another day of Pesach. They'll be fetching and screaming, what's wrong with the printers? Why did the rabbis do this? How could it be? We never had this before. But they wouldn't eat the bread. They're not going to touch the bread. And the word will get around all over that, you know, Bob, you got to tell your sister over there that there's a problem in the calendar, right? Because that's the way we work. 
Now, bread today would last, as I said, it would last 50 years. But in those days, bread, if you ever had bread, natural bread with no preservatives, overnight it's finished. You know? Overnight it's finished. So the bakers brought the, brought the maral to court because he caused a major calamity financially, right? He, he, the, the bakers felt it. He messed it up. So the Maral said that he would eat, he would pay the bread, he paid for all the bread if their personal dogs would eat the bread. And of course, they didn't want their dogs to eat the bread because then the dogs would die. So that was the end of that. What does this have to do with Bikr Cholim? It all has to do with Darkei Shalom. It has to do with relationships to non-Jews. I'm not a politically oriented person. I'm very alienated from politics. So it's not that I believe in going and trying to get AOC to change her mind or to try to get other politicians to, you know, to, to caucus against AOC and against all that. I, I don't, my head is not there. But to make a Kiddush Hashem all the time, to recognize that there is a thing called Dar Cheshalem, that is a very, very, very important thing to do. We're constantly ambassadors of God, not Jews. Now, to say it's our fault and therefore anti-Semitism is legitimate because there are Jews that act inappropriately at times, that's wrong also. That, that, that's, uh, that's like blaming the Holocaust on Jewish people who didn't act properly. That, that's, that's, that's totally wrong. But we have to do our best not to double park and not to triple park and to speak nicely and to recognize that, yeah, A is you have to be nice because you have to be nice. And B is it's not our country. My family came over in the 1880s, but it's not my country. My uncles were in the American army. My mother's granduncle got shot down from a, B, a, a flying fortress, B-50, B-27, I think they called 27s, in World War II over Germany. So I'm saying, you know, I come from a very American-backed family, but it's not my country. I know it's not my country. You know, I know that. We have to remember that. So Mitzad Darfli Shalom, you know. Next thing, I just want to read you one more thing here, and then we will be done with uh, Bigger Cholim. And then we can go on to something, we'll eat, and then we can see if we want to do any more. If not, we'll just stop. This is from the Ramah. This is where the source of a lot of our minna comes from. I'll just read it to you. I gave it, it's the last on the bottom. It says, Yesh Omrim. This is the Ramah. It says, there are those that say, if there's illness in your house, somebody's ill in the house, you should go to the Chacham of your city, so that he should daven for you. That's where this custom came from. The idea of going and getting a bracha, it's not out of blue. The Ramah says that there, that there is such a, there are those that say this is what you should do. You should go to, if, if there's an illness in the house, you should go and take care of it. Chabad, the Rebbe was very big into mezuzahs, checking mezuzahs to make sure that you have proper shmira, you know. right? And he says not only that, it says over here, and that's why we have a bracha in the shul. 
Sometimes people think that the bracha and the shul is just like, you know, it's time to talk. It's not true. It's not time to talk. It's a legitimate, it's a legitimate thing that it's a time that of the power of the community to be able to beseech God. And then there's another, Likro Lahem Shem Chodosh, is also accustomed to change a person's name. Why? Kishinui Hashem, because when you change the name, Korea Gazardino, it literally destroys, rips the, the judgment against the person. Why? It's not the same person. If, one, if the person's name was Don Ben, David Ben Rochel, right? And now the name was changed to Shaul Ben Avigail, right? So it's not the same person. No, it can't be Abigail. Shaul ben Rachel, right, was changed. His name was changed. The mother's name can't be changed. So if you do that, so it's not the same person. You're supposed to do it in front of 10 people. It's not a simple thing. It's not a pushed thing. And it's only done in extreme circumstances. And it only, you only, it, if, if it lasts, I think it's 30 days. If the person lasts for 30 days, then on the tombstone later on in life, they put the new, newly acquired name. If not, then you keep the old name because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't take, you know. Nichamavelim. Some people today, just for the record, I've heard a lot of girls get nervous about shidduchim, so they go and they ask artificial mikubalim, you know, uh, or whatever. I shouldn't say that. They go to people, and the people say, change your name. It's not, it's not, it's not so simple. You know, you're playing around with your, your spiritual DNA, and you're doing things like that. Maybe they meant change the last name. What? The last name changed? <laughs> the new to the new person. <laughs> <laughs> last but not least, Nicham Avelim Kodim Levikr Cholim. You got a choice. You can go to the shiva, or you can go to the hospital. You go to the shiva over the hospital. That's what he said. Okay. Um, yeah, let me just read one more thing, one last story, and then we, I think we'll have food. Um, yeah, I'm going to do this right now. This is about the idea of guests. I think next week we're going to do, we can't, we can't pass up Haknasis Archim. It's too big a deal. But I just want to read this one story because I just think it's so poignant, and then we'll end. The label... Chasman related that he once ate Friday night meal at the home of the Chavetz Chaim. And he was surprised that the, that the song Shalom Aleichem, which is usually recited before the meal, was not said until after the reciting of Kiddush and everybody ate. They said, the Chavetz Chaim said Shalom Aleichem after the, after the meal, not before. So Rav Chasman asked the Chavetz Chaim why he had reversed the order. So Chavetz Chaim said, most probably you are hungry, and I wanted you to eat right away. The angels who we're, we are greeting with Shalom Aleichem aren't hungry. They can wait. That's what he said. It's like the level of sensitivity, you know. Again, it's, it is, we have halacha, and we have to be careful about halacha, but we also have to remember that there's a balance of of priorities, you know, you have your guests with you. You have to take care of your guests, you have to take care of your wife, you have to take care of your children. You don't take care of Hamas. We don't worry about Hamas. 
Okay. We'll stop now. And uh, I think we should eat. No? You don't want food? Yeah, I had and I had Mackey's before. Okay. Mm-hmm. You realize you so we have that bothers you at 11 o'clock at night to eat? It's a little late for dinner. 10 o'clock is okay. Right. Sorry. So, you want to see it now? What do you want to do? Is that a crystal? Yeah.